we're excited about what God's doing and what He's going to do coming up that we're getting ready for. So um, there's a few first-time guests that we saw this morning, and so if you're a first-time guest with us, we sure are pumped that you're here, and um, I'm excited about what God's going to do today in our church. Uh, just real quick, and Jenny's going to say this uh, during announcements at the end of the service, we're going to do it a little bit different today, but um, we want you to stay. If you're interested in volunteering with us, if you've never volunteered before, uh, we would love for you to stay as soon as the service is over. We're going to have a really cool afternoon. Uh, it won't be real long, but we're going to talk real quick, and then we're going to eat together and have a big time, and I'm going to beat some of y'all at Cornhole, so that's going to be awesome. So, And by the way, I just want to say this. You're supposed to wear your, your team shirt today, and I forgot about it, and I did not pick out my clothes. I'm, I'll just readily admit this. And so I, I just walked in to the kids' room and told Leah, if we lose to North Carolina on Thursday, because I do not like the Tar Holes. I love y'all, but I'm not a big Tar Heel fan. I just, even in basketball and all the rest of it. So if we lose, I, I'm, I'm putting it on me. I'm not going to be real happy. So anyway, I'm supposed to have Garnet Black on, and I don't, so all the Clemson fans can be happy. So anyway, um, how many of y'all went to the Burns game yesterday or, or saw it on TV? There's like three people that went and four people that saw it on TV. Okay, that's good. Yesterday, Burns played on national television, and some of us work in the press box and stuff, so we're up there while y'all are in the, in the heat where we got air conditioned, so I was freezing up there. It was awful. So anyway, <laughs> um, but if you, if you watch the game, uh, one thing that I thought was interesting is the team that, that Burns played yesterday was from Florida, and they were nationally ranked, and they had a lot of really good, talented players. Uh, they had a, a kid that's um, uh, nationally ranked offensive tackle for the 2015 class. And uh, this year's class, uh, the kid that got hurt yesterday is committed to go to uh, Nebraska to play quarterback. And that's a very good quarterback. Thank God um, he's okay. And he'll be flying home hopefully today um, back to Florida. But they had, they had probably on paper better talent than Burns did. And one thing that I thought was interesting is, and I don't know if y'all noticed it, but in the fourth quarter, um, their players, and they're from Florida, so they're used to the heat, but their players kept cramping up, and, and it was a bunch of them. And they kept cramping up, cramping up, cramping up. And I, I think a few of our boys did, but, I mean, they had like 20 that seemed to be cramping up, and it was, it was their best players that were doing it too, and so it was a big advantage for Burns. And one thing that I've always admired the football program just down the road uh, is how much hard work they put in, how, how great of a strength and conditioning coach Mike Schrock is, and, and that to me is what separates them from a lot of these other teams around here. And the reason they've won so many state championships recently is obviously they're well coached, but they work harder. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you all about today is, um, is we're calling today's message Training Day. And, and I, I want to kind of talk to you in light of, and I, do you put the time in that you need to put in to be all that you can be for Christ? Do you put the time in to be all that you can be for Christ? Because a lot of times what we do, let's just be honest, a lot of times what we do is we think we can just show up, we think we can just show up and we're ready, right? And I think that's sort of what happened to the team yesterday that, that lost to Burns, is they thought they could not work as hard, but because they had superior talent, they were going to be fine. And so... I want y'all to, to just kind of, as we go along today, I just want you to kind of consider this, all right? So 
I told y'all last week just a little bit briefly of the story of, um, of what God had done in, in, in our church and in my life during the previous week with, the, with my good friend giving me that check. And, and it, was, it was really cool. Um, just personally, it was really cool for me. But now I want to kind of tell you a little bit more about it. And, and it has nothing to do with the money side. Um, two years ago, we started our church, almost two years ago. And um, we felt like we were supposed to start it to reach the least, the lost, and the lonely with the gospel. That every, every single nationality, every single person, regardless of what they look like, we wanted to reach the lost and the hurting people. And so just recently, we've seen a bunch of people get baptized. Just this year alone, 32 people have been baptized, and we've done that in here. But I really felt like in my heart that that's not enough, and I'm supposed to do more. That, that I've got to do more on a personal level. And I just, like every time I would do my one-year Bible in my quiet time, I would feel, Mark, you got to do more. Mark, you got to do more. And I was like, all right, what does that mean? And, and I just felt a, a, like you got to reach the least lost and lonely personally. And so this is what I decided to do is, is just when I'm driving down the road, every person that I see that it looks like they need help, I'm going to stop. If they tell me I don't need help, that's cool. I'll keep going. Every person. And so for the last like two and a half weeks with only a couple exceptions when I either couldn't get over and help, I, I've stopped every time and I've either picked the person up that has a backpack on that's walking or if someone needs gas, I'll get the little gas can and I'll fill it up. And it is amazing how many opportunities that I've had to share the gospel just because I'm looking. And, and this is what I've noticed in my personal life is um, the reason that I don't typically help people is because I'm not looking to the least, the lost, and the lonely. I'm not looking to try to help the people that need it so bad. And because of that, I've had blinders on and I'm just worried about me. And I've missed so many opportunities in my life to bless people. And it's been amazing. It's been amazing. So before I say anything else, if you're a woman in here, I don't want you to pick anybody up because I don't think that's very safe. And so um, Jenny actually had a really good idea when we were talking about this, about making like, um, making like bags that y'all can give people. That's like a, a help. And so we might do something like that. And we'll talk about it some more this afternoon. But I'm not, no woman in here should pick anybody up. And um, my families asked me, do I think it's really safe to pick people up? I'm like, look. If someone comes in my car and they're going to hurt me, hopefully they have a gun because otherwise it's going to get ugly for them. And I'm not really worried about that anyway. So they better pack a lunch. And if, if that happens, so be it. And I'll go be with Jesus because I really feel like it's what I'm supposed to do. But like, it's, it's just amazing that you can pick up three consecutive people that are 58 years old that are hurting and that really need help. And, and this is what a guy told me. I picked him up. His name was Philip. He was coming from the Spartanburg Mission, trying to get to the Greenville Mission. He had come from up north, and he was trying to get his information because he lost all of his stuff. He had to get his birth certificate so he'd get a driver's license. And this is what he told me. Dude, I've walked all day, and I don't know if y'all remember, like two weeks ago, it was an awful Friday for rain. It was just, it was just terrible. And we were leaving uh, Bill's house, actually, um, for the wedding rehearsal. And, and um, I picked him up, and he was soaking wet, just nasty. And, and he got in the back seat with Leah and I, and I took him to, um, to 290, and there was a bad wreck on 85, and we couldn't get anything else. And I was like, I, I've got to buy this dude a place to stay. I've, I've got to get him a hotel. And he, and he started crying. 58 years old, he, he, he got very emotional. And he said, well, why, why would you do that for me? And, and this is all I told him. Because what Jesus told me 
is whatever I do for the least of these, I, I do for him. And I'm a few bad breaks in my life away from being just where you are. And like when we hear stories like that, and I mean, he was, he was so kind. I actually went back to the Holiday Inn on 290 the next morning and he had already um, left. I told him earlier to go to the truck stop and I was like, why didn't you just come pick him up the next day? But um, I think he had gone across the street and I looked around at the truck stop at the TNA and I didn't see him. And um, so anyway, I, Lord willing, he found his way to Greenville. But I, I've had opportunities like that quite a bit. But Philip was, is one of the ones that, that stuck, stood out with me because um, he was so emotionally overwhelmed. And this is what he said. Thousands and thousands of people have passed me today and no one has stopped. And, and, and this is why I'm telling you this. Are you in the military or are you a pastor? Now, I had on, uh, I forget what I was wearing that night, but I think shorts, uh, khaki shorts, and maybe a golf shirt. So I either looked like I was just got done playing golf or just not like a pastor should look. And I said, can I ask you why you asked me if I was a pastor or a, in the military? And he said, because those are the only two people that have stopped for me. In my lifetime, I've only had two groups that stopped. And this is... Why I'm telling you this, first of all, if y'all have heard me preach before, you know I don't put myself on a pedestal. I'm, I'm a sinner that's jacked up. But um, before I was called to preach, I was called by the gospel that saved me to be salt and light in this world. And so that everyone that sees me can recognize that I'm a follower of Christ. And if the only thing that I'm consumed with, which has been the story of my life, up until the last couple of weeks when I just felt the Lord punch me in the face. If the only thing that I'm consumed with is me, and I'm never looking to help others, and I'm not talking about the people on the side of the road with a sign that says, I'll work for food, and then you offer them food and they don't want it and they're just trying to make money. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about genuinely people that you know are hurting, and we pass by them and we make fun of them. Let's be honest. Because I ain't got time for that. See, in my life, what I tend to do, and I'm about to read you what Paul says about this in, in 1 Corinthians 9, what I tend to do is I'll help people that look like me or in the same social class as me. So, so for me, it would be white people that are middle class. But if you have any other color, and I ain't helping them. If you have anybody that's lower than me, they can be white, but, but they stink. I'm going to be honest with you. I've picked up five homeless people in the last two weeks, and every one of them smelled bad. I mean, because they hadn't showered. But what if that was me walking on the side of the road? And, and all I can think is they smell bad, I don't want them in my car. And, and in this letter that Paul wrote, it like struck me, and I read this during my quiet time, and I don't know if it was exactly this where the Lord used it to, to gut punch me and say, Mark, you're... You're trying to reach people, but it has to be in here. Like, you're not willing to train hard and go out there. You're not willing to do what my gospel says. You're just willing to do it if it's easy. But training is hard. Training takes physical labor. It's difficult. And so there's two things that we got to do if we really want to reach the world that's out there for training day, if we really want to be responsible and make a difference in this world. I, I think there's just two simple things that we have to do. Number one, I've got to be willing to go. I've got to be willing to go. I, I cannot stay in here or even I can't stay at my house and be comfortable all the time. And I'm going to be honest. I, I have not looked 
to go out of my way in the last two weeks. I have not gone out of the path that I was heading to. So like leave my house, get on 29, get on 85, get on 101. That's typically how I found people. I'm not like, okay, I'm gonna just look all around Spartanburg. I'm just going, but, I, but I'm looking. So you gotta be willing to look and go. This is what I love about this, this story that I'm about to read you in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is um, Paul was anything to anyone so that this gospel that we believe could be reached to everyone. Like, there wasn't just one group of people that he was willing to do. And as an example of that, Jesus in John chapter 4, which is one of my favorite books in the Bible. Um, if you think racism in this country is bad, you have no idea what it was like in Jesus' time with the Jews and the Samaritans. They, Jewish men would not dare step one foot into Samaria because they were lower than them. I didn't even, if I'm a Jew, I didn't even have to look their direction. Better yet, step into Samaria. And yet Jesus went out of his way and, and it said he had to go this way. But, but what that meant was he, had, he was destined to meet the woman at the well. And, and, and a Jewish man would never speak to a Samaritan woman. He shouldn't speak to a Samaritan man, but better yet, a Samaritan woman. And yet he, he loved on this woman and she received Jesus that day. And she went and told everybody because Jesus had made a difference. But listen, the story, this, this is what I need you to know. This is what Jesus did. He, he loved on this woman. He was willing to go into Samaria where no one else would possibly go. And then he, he was able to teach his disciples, this is why I did this, because they need love. They, the gospel can penetrate their hearts, but you've got to love them to show them that. You just can't hand them a track and, and walk away and never show them love. You can't look at people and think they're less than me because they don't look like me or they smell bad because they haven't been able to shower because they don't have water to shower with. And so he went out of his way. And this is what Paul says. If you'll follow along, if you have your Bibles, um, open them, but it'll be on the screen right here. And um, it's 1 Corinthians starting in verse 19. It says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. And so this is what he's saying is I'm not just going after people that look like me. I, I've made myself a servant to every single person because I want to win every person for the gospel. There's not one group of people. And by the way, the least the lost and the lonely aren't just homeless people. They're, they live in $500,000 houses. It's all people that don't have Jesus. That's who the least the lost and the lonely are because they may look good and they may wear a suit and tie and they may work for a Fortune 500 company, but I want to reach all people with this gospel that we have. And so he says, I've made myself a servant to all of them so that I might win more. To the Jew, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews and to those under the law, I became one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law became one is outside the law, not being outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ. That I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. And I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. And, and so this is what Paul was saying in the first part of this this part of his letter to Corinth is, look guys, if in our lives, as we're going through, we have just a certain people that we're willing to reach out to, we'll never be the church that God called us to be. Never. 
We'll never be the church that God called us to be if, if we're the same people that are here on September 8th and that's all we've done in two weeks. It's just done us. If, if, if we do nothing to reach out, then we're just worried about us in here. And the truth of the matter is we should close our doors down because we are wasting our time. Because this is it. There are thousands and thousands of people like, I'm almost embarrassed to make a goal of, we've, we've averaged well over 100 people. Even through the summer, we haven't had one week all summer that we haven't had at least 100 people here. And I'm almost embarrassed to make 200 our goal on September the 8th. We're starting two services, and I really believe we're going to fill them up. And it's almost embarrassing to think that I can't get more than one person per person. Like, just me adding one. If I'm really caring this much about the gospel, like, like this, is, this is what I told the students yesterday in our overtime, is it is evident which kingdom you follow, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of me, by which one you make famous. If Jesus is who you're making famous in your life, then it's going to be contagious and everyone's going to want a piece of what you have because you're kind to others. You love God and you love other people. So you don't put yourself first and you don't pass by someone because I might be late for a ball game. I've got to go tailgate. And, and, and listen, I'm going on Thursday and I'm going to tailgate. But if someone needs help, I hope I'll stop for the sake of the gospel instead of trying to get there five hours early to tailgate. And that's got to be my thought is, listen, what is my priority? Like the thing that I think of very first thing in the morning, that is my God. That is the thing that I'm consumed with. Whatever I'm looking at right this second on the Internet instead of paying attention, that is my God. That is what I'm consumed with. And I show the whole world that I do not care about the gospel. Or it is evident to everyone around me and all my neighbors, all my neighbors, that I love Jesus above all else. Because I'll do whatever it takes. I lower myself as a servant to all people. And again, it's not just homeless people. It's not even just people in my neighborhood. It's the rich and the poor. It's the African Americans and the Caucasians and the Asian people. Jews and Greeks and everyone in between. It's all people that I have to love. Why? Because we're all people that are fallen and deserve hell. And without the grace of Jesus Christ, we all are separated from God. And I have an opportunity through the gospel to show them all love. But listen, I can't sit in my house and never do anything. I've got to get motivated. I've got to step out. So for every person that's in school, I have thousands of people that I go to school with that I get to show love to and be kind to. And for every person that has a job, if you work with five people or 500, that is some people in your life that God has put there so that you can love. But you've got to be willing to do more than just sit there and smile. You've got to go. You've got to go. And the second thing is you've got to be willing to put in the work. And this is what, this is what I was talking about that impresses me so much with Burns is... Um, if you've ever watched their workouts, if you've ever watched their workouts, those boys work really hard. Those boys, I mean, they bust it. One thing that I've heard uh, some college coaches say and some like recruiters is the only knock that they have on our high school program close by is they're so good and they've worked so hard they may have maxed out in high school. Well, that is an awesome testimony for the coaching staff down the road. That they've worked so hard that they may have maxed themselves out and they may not get a whole lot better in football. And there's obviously exceptions to that rule, but they're thinking if a kid's 
close to as good from another school. They probably haven't trained as hard, and so they may have more upside down the road. That is such an incredible testimony for the coaching staff if they get the max they can out of those boys because they work hard. They treat them well, they don't overdo it, but they work hard. And so this is, this is the question that each one of us has to ask. I talk about this a lot, but I'll just bring it up now. Um, a couple of my friends, two friends this week, and I had conversations about their, either their marriage or a situation in their life that they were really struggling with. And this was my question to both parties. Just, just friend to friend, how much, how much time in the last couple of weeks have you spent in the Word? Like just, just, just reading God's Word, taking your Bible, and, and, and going through, how much time have you spent in the last two weeks? Well, not really that much. I don't have time or, or this and that. And this is what I say. If you really want to get better, you've got to be willing to put in the time. You've got to be willing to put in the work. Like your marriage is having trouble right now. Your marriage is going to be exactly what you put into it. Your investment at the end of your life is going to show up. And, and if I don't invest in my wife and invest in the relationship that I have with Leah, it's going to be evident when we're 65, 70 years old and the kids are out of the house because we're going to look at each other and say, who are you? Who are you? There's no kids in here. And I knew you with Haston and Laney, and I don't even know you because I haven't invested in, in, in Leah and Mark. I never pray with Leah, then what do I expect to happen when turmoil comes our way? I have to be willing to pray with my wife. I have to be willing to do that hard work. Listen, this is for you personally. In, in leadership, just in my personal life, one thing that I've learned more than anything else is if I don't invest in Mark, no one else will. And the way that I invest in me, the way that I pour into myself is staying close and clean to Jesus. And by spending quality time with my maker, with the one that created me and desires a relationship with me, with, with me getting alone. The Bible says get alone in a closet, in my bedroom, wherever that place is that your kids don't come knocking on the door and mess with you. Wherever that place is where you can get alone and spend intimate time with Jesus. If it's your ride to work, that's awesome. Where you really call out to God, not get distracted by everybody around you trying to get your attention. And you beg God, to use you. You beg God to forgive you where you've sinned. You ask God to do a great work in your life. You spend time reading his word and trying to learn more. And to me, that's how we invest in ourselves and that's how we put in the work. Does that mean you're not gonna have a bad day? Heck no. Some days you're gonna have horrible days right after you've done your time with Jesus. Matter of fact, Satan's gonna attack you if you're doing God's work. Like, it's just gonna happen. A lot of times you'll feel worse and be like, okay, God, feels like I should have like a boost and now I feel the crash. Valleys always come after mountaintops. That's just the way that life is. But listen, there's a peace that's with God. When you have that intimate relationship with Jesus, there's a peace there that cannot be explained. To, and I'm not joking with you. I have never counseled a couple with no exception ever that I ask them, are you spending daily time in the word and daily time in prayer? And they're my friends most of the time, so they'll be honest with me. I've never counseled a couple that have said every single day. Never. Never. I have no idea if this is true or not, so this is the gospel according to Mark, not the one in the Bible, but me. <laughs> I, I dare say that the people that have gotten divorced in this room, and God has forgiven you, and praise God for that, 
But if you were the one that got caught in sin, I bet, I bet none of them were intimate with Jesus on a regular basis. I, I bet. And then again, that's just my opinion. But like, the reason that we fall so deep into sin and the reason we get so dangerously close, the reason that we don't, by the way, do what God has called us to do, because he said, I don't know you because you don't do these things, because it's evident by your fruit if, if you're a follower of Christ, and I don't know you because you didn't do these for the least, and you didn't do them for me. And the reason that I think that is is because we're just so consumed with me. And by the way, I've been this way many times. Matter of fact, I think this is the first year in my life that I have not missed a day up till this point spending time with Jesus. But, but I'm 33 and I'm a pastor. And I've been a pastor for, for seven years now or more. And I'm pretty sure this is the first year up till this point. I may still miss one before December 31st, but this is the first year. So this is the pot calling the kettle black here, okay? But like I know this and I want so bad to do the work of God. And I'm still deep in sin all the time. I still screw up all the time. But what I understand is my consistency level with God is so much better when I spend time with him and I let him do a work in me. It doesn't mean I don't have really dark days like I did a week ago Monday. Really dark days. It just means when I'm in those dark days, I have a comforter that is there with me to help me through. And it is so sweet. And so before I finish the scripture, and I think it's amazing, I, I just want to show y'all, we, we made um, each one of you a um, devotion guide for the next two weeks. And, and we're going to give it to you as you leave today. But it's just got the next 13 days up till Saturday before September 8th. And, and we're asking you to pray specifically for things. And then it's just got day by day um, some things that, that we thought would be good for y'all to study. If y'all are doing a, a devotional, you don't have to read it, but it's just a guide for you for the next two weeks to kind of learn and grow and, and stuff to pray for. But let me read to you what Paul said in closing. And, and this is very important, and I want y'all to, to really listen to what Paul says here. Do you not know that, that in a race all runners run, but, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. And they do it to receive a perishable wreath. Y'all remember in the Athens Olympics, do y'all remember that? They gave the wreaths out like they used to years and years and years, 2,000 years ago. You got a wreath as the prize. They gave wreaths in the gold medal in the Athens Olympics to represent that. They got perishable wreaths that will one day fade away and none of those wreaths that they got are around anymore. But we, an imperishable, we get a wreath that's imperishable. I don't run aimlessly. I don't box and beat the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. That word disqualified is, is a synonym. And you can find it in like um, several passes, passages in the Old Testament. This is basically what it means. You, you acknowledge Jesus with your lips, but you never acknowledged him with the lifestyle that you live. And therefore, your fruits show that you never really trusted Christ, that you were never really saved. And at the day of judgment, you were disqualified. You cheated. You cheated in the race. And you got to the end and instead of finishing the race, you cheated and you were disqualified. And, and this is what I find amazing. 
I, I said a couple weeks ago, the thing that alarms me about the church is that Billy Graham, who we all know and we all have a great deal of respect for, he says that 70 to 80% of the people that sit in chairs or pews on Sunday mornings are lost. And the reason that he believes that they're lost is because the evidence of the fruit is not there in their life. And so this is what I have to ask you this morning. If I graded you or judged you as a friend, are you saved based on what you've done for the gospel? And by the way, salvation is only placing your trust in him, but faith without works is dead. If you don't show the gospel in your life, this is what James says, if, if it's not evident, then, then you probably didn't place your trust in, in Jesus. And so if, if I'm just watching and I'm judging it based on your lifestyle, are you going to be disqualified based on what I see in your life? Like, do you look like everyone else in, in, in the world? Is it a burden for you to, to, to do God's work or is it an opportunity that you're so excited about because God has given me this chance that I get to make a difference in the world and I'm so pumped. It's amazing. I cannot believe God would want to use a screwed up man like me. Like if you knew my thought life alone, you'd be like, dude, Mark, you have no chance. And yet God does want to do that. It is not about being sinless. It is about desiring God over desiring me. It is about wanting to make his kingdom famous over wanting to make me famous. It is about wanting to do the work he called me to do. Before I was called to be a pastor, I was called to be a child of the most high God. That is the biggest honor any human being can have put on them. That is the biggest calling that I will ever have in my life. I want to know if that is the biggest calling you have on your life, because if it is, everyone will know about it. And so this morning, I just want you to be honest with yourself. The single biggest problem in this world today is not that the gospel's not out there, but it's who's carrying the gospel. Because we're denying it when we walk out this door with our lives. We won't go to people and help them. And so I just want to know today, do you know, do you know, do you know that Jesus is your Lord? Are you certain that you've trusted him as Savior? That you've thrown away the world that's behind you? that you still live your life, that you're still you, that you still have fun. I'll go to the game Thursday, I'll have a big time. That doesn't mean that I don't still have fun. It just means that my single focus in life, the thing that wakes me up in the middle of the night at 4.30 this morning, is you and the gospel that I want to present to you. And I just wanna know, is that you? Like do people in your work and in your neighborhood and in, in, in the places that you have fun? Do they know that you know Jesus based on your lifestyle? Do you go and do you show the love of Jesus? Will you bow with me? Just real quickly, two quick things that I want to know is, um, that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is the absolute truth of the gospel. That is Paul's letter to Rome. That is this same guy that we just read that wrote a letter to Corinth. That's what he said and that's what we believe. That's what we put all our hope in. But calling on the name of the Lord means that you make him Lord of all, that he is God over everything in your life, that, that you believe he is sovereign and that you are under him. And because you are under him, you make everyone under you make everyone above you and you are under all people. 
because you want all the world to see the gospel because it is in you. That is how the gospel travels. It is in you. So my question to you today is this, how many of you are certain that you've made Jesus Lord of your life? That is the simple question, that you have made Jesus Lord of your life. That basically if we took a test this morning, based on your friends and family, based on your children, they watch you at home. Do they know that Jesus is the Lord of your life? Just slip your hand up, raise it high, raise it high. I, everybody in my life knows that Jesus is Lord of my life. Everybody knows. Thank you, you can put your hands down. Hey, if you didn't uh, raise your hand, will you just look up at me? Just look right here and make eye contact with me. If you didn't raise your hand, I want you to make eye contact with me. Hey, this is the question this morning, okay? For every person in here, this gospel is a gift that is offered to you. And I just wonder if you'll say, you know what, Pastor Mark, I want to make a difference, man, and I'm not ever going to make a difference for the kingdom unless I'm part of the kingdom. Listen, this is a movement of God that is rebelling against this world, and you can all be a part of it, and we can all make a difference. So what I have to ask you this morning is if that's what you want for your life, if you want to be a part of this movement, will you just stand up right where you are? Stand up. Stand up and say, Mark, that's what I, I need the gospel inside of me to change me. I need Jesus. I want to... Man, I might have said a prayer before, but I don't think I did business with God. I want that right now. Just right now where you are. I'm going to give you just a couple seconds. Just stand up right where you are and say, I need that. I need that. How about for everybody else? Everybody in the room. All of our friends, we're, we, we, we're here this morning, and the vast majority of us are saved. This is the question. Do people recognize that in your life? Do people recognize, like seriously, do they recognize in your life that you're a follower of Jesus? If you want to make a difference, the band's going to come up and they're actually going to play a couple more songs. And so we're not done. But, and so in just a minute, you're going to stand. If you want to make a difference, if you know that you need to train more and you need to be in the Word more, if you know that you need to do more with the gospel, I'm just going to invite you to stand where you are right now. In preparation of worship, I'm just going to invite you to stand right where you are right now and begin. Prepare your heart for what God wants to do in your life. Is there no one in this room? Is there no one in this room that needs to do more? Just prepare your heart right now. God, I'm so grateful to serve beside and under such a great group of people. And, and God, I pray that you will, that you'll raise up a, a, a group of men and women and young people that are so in love with you that it is evident to every person that sees them. God, I don't know why, as jacked up as I am, that you don't just throw me to the side, but I'm grateful for that. And for every person in here, God, we're grateful that you don't throw us to the side, but you care so much for us. God, what we pray right now is that as we come to worship, we're going to have a cookout this afternoon and talk about volunteering and how many people we're going to reach and what all we're going to do. God, we're so excited about what you're going to do in here. But in the meantime, God, do a work inside of us first. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Y'all keep standing with us.
as we worship.